Good afternoon and good evening. Wherever you may be listening, thank you very much for tuning in to the All You Listening Now podcast. I am your host, Johnny. Back at it again for another week. Hey, I want to give a shout out at the beginning of the show to all of you good people out there that take the time out to download and listen to the show. I tell you what, without you all support, this would not be as fun as it has been, and I appreciate you all. I've, nevertheless, I've had a very, very good week, so I certainly hope you have as well. All right, today's show with the first topic that I want to talk about, I'm just going to go ahead and dive right into today's show because this topic today is too important to delay. If you have visited my Facebook page at R-Y-L now, that's R spelled out Y-L now on Facebook, you might have seen me post something about um, the Texas State Senate passing something that I found disturbing and honestly sad. As a native to Texas, born and raised, when I saw this, I was ashamed, but honestly not shocked. What I'm referring to is the passing of a bill to remove parts of history from being taught in schools, like teaching about Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech, the accomplishments of labor leaders, and he was a leftist activist, Cesar Chavez, the writings of women's suffrage movement, leader by Susan B. Anthony and Native American history. Um, They're no longer required staples of Texas education. Also, any reference to the Ku Klux Klan or the KKK being a morally wrong group is also prohibited. Before I launch, let me go into details of why they came up to this choice. Many speculate that this is seemingly a response to CTR or critical race theory, specifically the New York Times controversial 1619 project. For anyone that has not heard or is unfamiliar with it, to sum it up, it was a project that the New York Times published back in August of 2019 to mark the 400th anniversary of when the first African slave came to North America, and in many minds, that marks the start of slavery for many of historians. The piece aimed to talk about what the consequences of slavery and the contributions of Black Americans that helped to build this country as we know it as. Some folks on the right argue that this was a biased effort to paint America as a nation founded on slavery. Okay, so here's the thing. And if you have been listening, you have heard me talk about this. So bear with me for a sec while I run through this for any new listeners. I do not in any way, shape or form believe that the things that has happened in this country in the past, also known as history, should be left out, changed, or pushed to the side to pretend like it didn't happen. If you do this, at that point, it's no longer history, but a folk or a fairy tale that you're just making up. 
just in case anyone listening thinks that this is me getting at Republicans and I'm some liberal, um, I'm not. In an earlier show, I talked about how most on the left wanting to take down statues of Abraham Lincoln and say that he was for slavery the entire time, which I disagreed with then, and I'm disagreeing with this one now too. Taking these things out of being mentioned when teaching about certain aspects in our history that they need to actually come up in due to their significance in the time of when they happened is a intent to change history. There's a saying that they who do not acknowledge their past are doomed to repeat it. And it's like we over here in America think that somehow, some way that this is bull jive and it somehow doesn't apply to us. And that somehow, some way, we will continue to become a better country and racism is just going to go away if we just ignore it. Because after all, that's how we came this far, right? Now, I don't know if anyone listening has gone to a therapist before about issues you might have been or currently or dealing with. But one of the things that every single one that I have been to, talked to, or have read always mentions that the way to get past and move on from what's holding you down or holding you back is to acknowledge, accept, and forgive yourself. Unfortunately, America has not, and still to this day, has not done this, which is why we sit here in 2021 dealing with some of the same crap we dealt with back pre-civil rights movement. We have not been willing to acknowledge some of the things that has happened in the past in this country. That's a huge black mark because we're supposed to be the shining city on a hill like John Rithrop said, so we can't just say that we've done anything wrong. We have not accepted anything that happened in the past, and even today, because we are America, and because of that, everything we do and have done is righteous. Enslaving people or killing them after they helped us win the Revolutionary War and saying that black people are three-fifths a person or that women were property to the man was righteous. So we have nothing to forgive ourselves for. Again, they that don't learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. And trying to sweep this history under the carpet isn't going to help advance anything. Everything that has changed in this country has been based on looking back into history or looking at current events happening and realizing, oh crap, this is wrong, so we need to change it. The other reason I've heard for this happening is because it tends to give a left-leaning viewpoint on the matters. Therefore, it makes the way the teachers talk about this 
in their classrooms biased. To this I say that when it comes to teaching history, I do agree that it needs to be done unbiased. If you bring your interpretation about why these things happened and get into putting words in the people's in the past mouths, then like I mentioned earlier, that isn't history. That's just what you took from it. Any student in school after learning about these things should be able to take what they learned and build their own opinion about it. I mean, I don't see how anyone, just by the way, I don't see how anyone learning about the events that happened to black or Native Americans and women and any other minority group in the past in this country can come away thinking that these things were all great things and needed to happen. I just don't see how anyone can draw that conclusion. But yet people do, which is another story for another podcast. Having said that, all the things that happened in the past with slavery, the trial of tears, and women's rights is just as important and is just as much as American history as Columbus discovering America. What's so ironic about that um, is we have known for quite some time that he actually didn't discover America. And what we learned about how that happened was just a flat out lie. But yet we still get that pushed to be taught in schools. It's kind of ironic. Since this is being seen as a, as a growing concern, that to me a solution that could be done if this is truly that concern anyway, can be having teachers trained to teach history the way it's supposed to be talked about without your own biased opinion. When I was in school and I was taking history and I remember I did a history, um, I had to do a autobiography about the uh, beginning of the uh, colonization of America. And I remember when I was writing my paper, my professor, after I turned it in, gave it back to me and told me I needed to be right it. He said, because this isn't history, this is your rendition of history. History should just be talked about on the facts of what happened, not what I feel what happened, not what I think they did it, but just the facts of it. Telling the facts of what happened and the history will speak for themselves is what he basically got me about. History isn't supposed to be political. And for as long as I can remember, who's, whoever has had the power tends to try and rewrite history so it fits their narrative. One group wants to change history altogether and the other just wants to strike it from the record as quickly as humanly possible. History is what's going to continue to help us in the United States, and I believe in other countries in the world as well, by the way, to grow past many of the things that affect us and has affected us as a people. And without it, we're just going to keep moving at this glacier speed with things changing or just continuing with the same theme. Now, 
I do know it has to also get passed by the House. So there's a chance it won't pass here. But pay attention because this has been a disturbing trend. And I just hope that at some point we can stop acting like talking about or learning about our past is going to define us as a country and understand that, in my opinion, this is the key to us turning some corners that is long past due. All right, ladies and gents, I'm going to hard transition from that. Just had to get that off my chest. I'm sorry. Let me, let me transition to this. So with the great reopening in the U.S. and in many parts of the world happening, many companies are in the business of trying to get people back to work by hiring the staff they need to get their businesses back running at pre-BC levels. Due to this, and with most of the stimulus and government assistance, I'm in the United States anyway, having ended back on June 26th, I thought it would be a great time to talk about some of the things you want to have on your resume to get recruiters to give yours a look and for you to get that call. With my time in management and having to pick candidates and conduct interviews myself, there are key things that I look for on resumes and I know other recruiters do as well. For getting any job, you're trying to get your resume is the first and in my opinion, the most important step to get you there. So let's dive in and discuss. I just have three quick points of things I want to point out that I feel is going to help enhance that for you. So let's dive right into it. So the first thing you want to make sure you have on your resume is updated information about work experience, contact information, and your skills. This is important because when a recruiter is reviewing that info and trying to reach out to you, if your info isn't correct, well, then that's already putting you behind the eight ball, isn't it? Trust me, I have seen this where I've reached out to a candidate that I have, you know, picked out and I thought would be great for the role only to never get a hold of them. Or when I do and they meet with me for the interview, the in, the info on their resume is not up to date or they're telling me about a skill or even a job for that matter that they've had that's not on the resume. You should be able to speak to everything that's on your resume. So make sure it's up to date. The second thing is since again, we just actually, you know, talked about make sure your resume is as accurate as possible. The next thing I want to bring up is making sure your skills on the resume mirrors what skills the company you are applying to wants. Now, this doesn't mean you go and put skills on there that you don't have. Or let's just keep it 100, you lying about on your resume. 
The skills you have already are impressive enough, and it's not about necessarily the skill on the resume, but the word placement about the skills you have. For example, let's just say the job you're applying for requires you to have used Microsoft applications. Instead of saying you have skills with Word of Excel, you could say proficient in Microsoft programs for X number of years. Same thing, just a more colorful way to say it. Also, just to note that some companies utilize a tool that helps them choose candidates that resumes match the keywords of what the job you're applying for um, has, which is why it pays huge dividends to make sure you're doing this before you submit for that job. So when you pull up the job and you know every job lists whatever the qualifications are, you wanna go through your skills, go through what's on your resume, make sure you're matching that up. It might take you a few minutes to change up the words on your resume, but it's worth it. Another strategy uh, people use is to have more than one resume type that can help do this you know, easier. In episode 16 of the podcast, I actually break down the different resume types that recruiters look the most at. So if you're interested in that, go back and check that episode out. My last point that I want to bring up And it might seem small to some, but believe me, it's a key to success here is for the love of all that is holy. Please make sure your resume has correct spelling and grammar. Unless you're making your resume with good old pen and paper, just about every format you can create a resume with has spell check. So when you see that squiggly red line under your word, do not ignore it. For me and other recruiters that I've worked with or even talked to, the minute we see this, not going to lie, we check out. You could have all the experience and your resume format could be fire. But since there wasn't enough care and time put into making sure that this was done right to your resume, then why would it get taken serious by recruiters either? So again, grammar and spelling are crucial. Make sure you have it right. I'm not saying It has to be some Shakespeare level (laughs) um, of writing or anything like that on it, but it does have to be correct. Those are three things, trust me, recruiters off the top are looking at or the different programs that we utilize now to pull people applications look for. So do those three things. It's going to help you out a lot. All right, let me switch to the last topic of the day, which many of you may know the NBA Finals ended last night in Wope. I was wrong about that pick. Absolutely wrong. I tell you what, I was actually pretty decent picking football, but man, this whole NBA season, I've been terrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. 
Now, yes, in my opinion, had there not been so many injuries to many of the stars this year, would Phoenix and the Bucks, Milwaukee had been in the finals? Probably not. Nope, they wouldn't have been. But going to give those teams credit. They took advantage of the opportunity, which they should have had. And because of that, hey, Milwaukee is the NBA champions. Giannis was the finals MVP, as he should have been. So I guess now we can scratch the narrative that him and Middleton can't win. The one thing that I wanted to talk about that, well, a lot of people now are talking about is, does this make Giannis the best player in the league? Man, people just really jumped to that train quick. So the answer is no, because now granted, you can have them, you know, I had them in my top three. I had KD, LeBron, and him. And then Steph, I think fourth, and then I think I had um, dear Lord, the center from Denver. I can't remember his name. Jokic. Thank you. Jesus. Can't remember that. But Jokic as, as, as my top five. Those were my top five. And I think I had Kawhi kind of tied with Yoke. But those were my top five NBA players. So Giannis was top three. And him winning this title for me doesn't make him the best. For the simple fact that when you... When I start talking about best basketball players, I'm looking at players who has little holes, who don't have as many holes in their game. When you look at their game, you can say that person does not have many, many flaws to their game. And Giannis happens to have many. Now, last night, I know he went Steph Curry-esque from the free throw line and hit 17 and 19 free throws, which is the best he shot free throws probably since he was in practice, standing by a seven. He probably didn't shoot that good in practice. But I will say this, this is a testament though to that young man's hard work from when he was drafted to, you know, coming into the league to getting put out the playoffs year after year after year to finally break through. I know he's not from this country, but that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is a picture-perfect picture of the American dream. Now, it doesn't make him the best player in the league, and this is not to diminish Giannis. He's a two-time league MVP. He's a defensive player of the year. He just got a finals MVP, and only him and my GOAT, MJ, can say that they've done that. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I think Hakeem did it too. But I think Hakeem only has one MVP and Giannis has two. So I think that's why it was him and Jordan. Because Hakeem's done it too. But um, Hakeem doesn't have two league MVPs. He only has one. But having said that, only him and Jordan can say that. So it does make him and, you know, obviously elevates him to legendary status. So now when you start talking about best, you know, players who ever played, he definitely has to be in that conversation. I don't know where you put him or where you slot him at yet. Haven't really actually given that much thought, but the young man was phenomenal. I mean, he carried that. I mean, he really put that team on his back last night. 
the rest of his players didn't even play well. I mean, I know Chris Middleton hit that clutch shot. And Chris Middleton, I tell you what, that young man is more clutch than I thought he was, considering he, boy, every playoffs besides this, he kind of choked. But got to give him credit, too. And obviously, Coach uh, Bud, who, you know, many people thought that, you know, he wasn't the coach for the job and he got it done. But for Giannis to be the best, he just has to keep improving. Now, granted, he will. That that young man, he does strike me as somebody who's going to be complacent. Now, granted, I know his press conference after the game, he said that if he never won another title, he would be happy. But I don't think that means he's not going to work hard. He is. But he still, to me, has a little ways to go to catch up to LeBron James and Kevin Durant. He can be slotted as third right now, even though you could debate with, you know, Curry or Jokic or Kawhi. I mean, you can debate that those guys are better than him. And, you know, if you did, I won't exactly fight you over it. But so he does have room to grow and, you know, get better when his jump shots and actually consistent free throw shooting. Because I know he, again, went nuts last night, but that's not uh, his norm. We'll see next year. I think next year, when I was looking at the line, the Brooklyn Nets um, are the favorite, and then I think the Lakers are actually second, and the Bucks are third. And I think that's right, considering health. If if everybody, and again, sports is one of those things, you know, one injury can turn a season, you know, on its head. So, which is what exactly what happened in these finals. So next year will be fun. This was a very fun basketball season. I did enjoy I did enjoy the, these playoffs. Awful cool. I ain't gonna lie, I didn't pay attention to all seventy two games. I really didn't. Um but the playoffs were exciting. They were fun. You know, it was a lot of new faces there. So I really, really enjoyed it. Congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks. This year's NBA champion. All right, ladies and gents, that's it for today's show. Going to go ahead and get out of here. Again, anywhere podcasts are being played. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your loved ones. They can pull me up. That's Pandora, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. You can go to uh, Buzzsprout. My Facebook page, the show is linked there too. So, thank you very much for your support. I will be back next week. You all have a very good week. I'll talk to you all later. Peace.